We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody, back to Cats coverage. Um, we are here to recap the CBS Sports Classic where Kentucky got the win over number nine ranked North Carolina in Atlanta. Some call it Catlanta. They won um, against the Tar Heels in an on-the-road environment, in a neutral environment where Kentucky and North Carolina fans were just battling it out in the arena. The game before, Ohio State and UCLA, UCLA had absolutely no one, and it was a battle of the Blue Bloods after. But ultimately, Kentucky came out on top as the – uh, top blue blood to kind of stand their uh, ground. So, Michael, you were in attendance for the game. Uh, you actually kind of got a lot of TV time. I think a player ran into you maybe <laughs> catching the balls that came off the court. Um, you got a lot of TV time in that bright blue. I, I did notice you had North Carolina colors, but I wasn't going to hold that against you. But I could see you all over the TV. How, how was the game um, and your trip down to Catlanta? Yeah, man, that uh, that Fox 56 polo I was wearing must have been a little magnet because I think it was R.J. Davis ran into um it was like it was me and then uh, uh uh Lindsay Goff from KYT and then Kent Spencer from Louisville and then uh Kinsey Lee from uh LEX and so it went like Kinsey got hit by RJ Davis and then uh Armando Baycott comes between me and Lindsay and then Reed Shepard comes right up to me I'm like, bro, what is going on? And then there was another player that almost hit us. I'm like, <laughs> we were in the danger zone a little bit. I, I I haven't gone back to the replay, but I guess they uh, Nestler said like, oh, wouldn't want to be one of those photographers or something. I think he said something like that during the broadcast, which is funny. But um, yeah, man, it was sweet. You could tell the arena was sleepy for sure. I mean, it was still packed for that first game, but it was just kind of sleepy. And then once, once that ended up, and that was a good game too. And, you know, that, man, that second game, that place woke up. That was, it, it was like, it was just like the Champions Classic, where it's like both those fan bases were just like pumped up. Every single bucket, they were screaming. It was almost a little bit better, but that's what I talked about in my postgame story. It was like, this felt just like the Champions Classic. Walking in, seeing the first few minutes of the game, it was just like that. But unlike the Champions Classic, the game was tight and they, didn't make enough plays on the stretch to go and win that game, the Cats. And this time they did, man. It was impressive. It was a good win for the boys. 
Definitely. And uh, so I, I, of course, did not make the trip down. We had Jordan for our site going down there. So I, I watched it from home in the comfort of my living room. And I got to say, the boys put on a show. That was one heck of a game all the way to the final minute until um, one of the all-time worst endings to a great game by the Tar Heels. He threw it off the guy's back, and Kentucky kind of caught a break for a second there. Um, but from my perspective of watching it at home on my TV, uh, it definitely felt like a, it didn't feel like a middle of December. It felt like a February, March, maybe even a tournament game, something that these players were competing for besides a quad one win. Is that how it felt in person too? I know there's quite a bit of people there. Dude, that was an elite eight game. That was like, that was 100% a tournament game. It could be a final four game. Hopefully for Cats fans, it is. Hopefully they get the same result, but. It was 100% a tournament game because Carolina, especially when they have a big like that, you know, they're going to go far. And I really thought that, sorry for the noise around me. I'm actually in an airport right now. Um, but uh, when you got a big like Baycott, right, and you could tell that second or third possession of the game, they dumped it down the Baycott, and then Baycott had a, like a, a baseline spin move, and there was no double that came in. And Baycott, that was easy money. I think it was on Trey. And I was like, or it was on Aaron. But either way, it was easy money. I was like, bro, if they don't double this, man, it's it's over. Baycott's going to get anything he wants. And that's what we talked about on the pod. You know, last time they played a big-time big, it was Hunter Dickinson who, you know, got 27. At least they crashed. You know, in that game, those guards all crashed the paint whenever Hunter got that ball um, up in Chicago. And they did a pretty good job of not letting him – get into his post moves, but he still just kind of was active on the glass and got a second chance points, got 27 points, especially at the line. He was a good free throw shooter. Really impressed at the adjustment that Cal and coaching staff made in this. They did not let him cook. They sent a double right away after that first bucket. Every single bucket after that through the rest of the first half was immediate double, um, and I, I don't remember how many points he had at halftime, but it wasn't much because he also got in foul trouble. He got those two fouls, was on the bench. That was a a big, you know, plus for the Cats. They needed to do that. But then Baycock kind of got going for a little bit there in the second half. Overall, really impressed by how, how the Cats defended Baycock and not let him cook. But, you know, then R.J. Davis cooks. And then uh, what, what's his face? The uh, – the white boy, uh, Cormac Ryan, dude, he, uh, I forgot he was a Notre Dame transfer. He went crazy too. Yeah, he did. Um, I, those big two fouls in the first half were crucial for on Baycott to get him sidelined for a while. But you could tell right from the jump, it was Baycott and Bradshaw going at it. They, that's what was the point of emphasis from the North Carolina offense. And uh, outside of that first bucket and then those fouls, I, I'm really impressed with the way that Kentucky handled Baycott. Um, I think they finished with like nine points, six rebounds. Um, I think he had, I'm not sure how many blocks he had. But anyways, you expect him to have a 15 and 11 night. I think they said he before the game he, he was fourth in the nation in rebounds. Uh, you expected everything to come down there and for him to kind of maybe have a Hunter Dickinson night, maybe a little bit less than that, but basically be the the emphasis of their offense. And Kentucky handled it pretty well. I'm really impressed with, you know, Trey Mitchell – 
you know which one's the better in that scenario. But Trey Mitchell held his own. Uh, Aaron Bradshaw, his third game back from not getting all these mixed up, uh, he held his own as well. So I'm really impressed the way they kind of were to somewhat shut him down. I know the fouls definitely helped as well, um, forcing them to play with their guards. And, and of course, the um, R.J. Davis guy went off. But I think a, a good half of that came in the last probably 15 minutes of the game. And he had it was steady in the first half of the second game. He just got hot. Um, ultimately, his hot shooting in the final five minutes or so is what keep, kept him in the game. Um, and if it wasn't for Kentucky missing free throws and R.J. Davis getting hot, Kentucky might have won by seven or eight points or so. Um, but ultimately, like you said, the, the biggest point off of this is Kentucky down the stretch played they, the way they wanted to. They controlled the tempo. Hell, they they led the, the game for more than uh, North Carolina had a lead for 16 seconds throughout the entire game. So that was Kentucky's tempo. They controlled it from the jump. Um, it's very impressive against a, you know, I don't know who agrees or who doesn't, but Cal called his team North Carolina Final Four team after the game. And, um, you know, if he believes that, then, you know, if Kentucky just beat a Final Four team in December, it's pretty impressive. It's, it's a lot different when, you know, we were kind of thrown off a little bit when they, not thrown off, but I don't think many expected them to play Kansas so well um, to start off the year. We thought we were going to lose by 10, 15 maybe. Um, they showed up twice, and then now you throw in the Miami. You know, Miami may not be as good as we thought they were at that time, but that's three top ten opponents where, where Kentucky almost beat Kansas. Um, they fell down the stretch. They blew out Miami at home, and then on the road took out North Carolina. All of them are pretty comfortable. Uh, I wasn't really uh, disappointed into that. So I don't know, man. You know, you show up for the challenges and you play against good teams. You know, that kind of shows the DNA that this team could be really good, and it's just not just a, a opinion anymore. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, it's good that they were able to, you know, defend the big really well, you know, because that could have been a problem. If they let Baycott get another 27, it'd be yeah. like, uh-oh, you know, then that's a story all year. And I know there aren't a ton of good bigs in the SEC. We've talked about that before. But it was just good to know that they can do it because they probably will in the tournament, you know, even if it's like, you know, seeing Purdue in the Sweet 16 or something, you know, and then you got to go up against Zach Eady. You know, that's a that's a tough matchup no matter what to face a guy that big. So I like how Bradshaw, you know, did his thing. Um, you know, you could tell he was frustrated at times. Uh, you know, a couple fouls that he didn't like. He was never really in foul trouble, but he just kind of was working through the game. Um, and then at the end, man, he had some big time free throws and he delivered. Like I, I was zooming in on my camera, zooming in close to his face, and you could see him like – just taking those big deep breaths and it's like you could tell he's a little nervous you know he's a young kid and that's the biggest game of his life because he didn't play in the Kansas game so he's like completely in it and uh he didn't miss the one he missed I, I think he missed the front end of the one-on-one which mm -hmm. was bad but he made the other free throws so I don't know if he was like four or five or something but made those big free throws down the stretch really impressed with that too. yeah um I don't know when he was shooting those free throws I, I can't I'm trying to remember which end I saw you on but was he on was he on your end shooting those free throws in the second half or was it reversed yeah it was it was my end on i was on i was on the left so i was on the left side shooting him so when he's looking at the hoop i was on the right yeah well i'm glad you said he was nervous because from the tv he was i don't know if you went back and watched the replay he was chewing that gum pretty hard <laughs> he looked really nervous he, he was sitting there going just chewing over and over and over just you could tell he was like i gotta hit these and i hit these and he missed that one but then i think he hit two uh the next two and uh the team him and big z got hyped on the sideline uh, as soon as he hit that second one he checked out and i forget who it was that came in that was like one of the last few plays of the game but you know he, he missed that first one but he showed up and hit the ones that you know 
he didn't lose us the game. He hit them. He we you wish that he would hit all of them, but he hit the ones that had to go in, ultimately getting them that lead. And um, I, th- I think I thought it was kind of I was paying attention who when it got into crunch time, who they were going to just to kind of see them in another test. And the things that I noticed is that they were going let DJ let DJ Wagner cook from the top of the paint, let him go get a bucket. He did a couple times, and then Rob Dillingham. And I think if you argue who can probably go get a bucket at will, it's probably those two. Um, you know, you could throw some other guys, but I noticed that they went to those two guys and then used their big guys just to rebound, and they were the ones that ultimately got fouled. Um, but another another great performance against the North Carolina team. Um, one thing I did want to get into is that Rob Dillingham led the team again in scoring. I think he finished with 17, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Um, if, and if I'm trying to remember, it's been a couple of days now. I think there were eight different players on this roster that had seven or more points. I mean, wow, like when is that done on a team? You know, you usually have three, four, five guys have 10, 15, and they're the hot hands. But, like, this was as balanced as it could have been. And In my opinion, that's what you want. Uh, if you, Everybody doesn't have to be perfect and, and go off on the night and be Steph Curry or whoever you want to call them. It's everybody just pass it, share the ball. You get two points here, two points here. And then, you know, if they lock on our best player, whoever you argue that could be, it's we're not just a one-dimensional team where in other years if if case and wallace or reeves weren't cooking we're done for it if oscar wasn't doing his down in the post we're we're done for it anybody on this team can and can hurt you against the opponent and um i don't know man it's just how how do you it's hard to prep for an offense like that it's it's real impressive so that was kind of one of my main takeaways dude it's impressive and like i think you gotta even play pretty well i mean he was in the right spots you know like he He's not going to score like all year. So nobody should expect that of him. But he came in, he got the big, I think two blocks, but he got like a big, like really nice block. And then there was another one where they called him for a foul. I was like, uh, it, I don't think that was a foul. I didn't see the replay. It didn't look like a foul. It looked like he kind of got all ball. He didn't make a lot of body contact. So he kind of got hoed on that one. But I think as, I was just impressed that he was able to come in and defend pretty well. And, um, it was in the. It was like kind of late there in the second half when, um, you know, they UNC like had a little run. Baycock got a dunk. And Bradshaw made a couple like bad plays and a couple fouls. And I was like, dude, they might have to bring in Uganda, like because Uganda like actually uh, like played well and was in the right spots. So I'm impressed with him. And yeah, you're right about that. The the points thing. Um, I just feel bad for for Adu because man, Adu's good. Adu yeah. can defend and he can still put the put the uh, biscuit in the basket. I mean, if he had more opportunities, he would be a really good player. Four blocks for Adu and three for Uganda. That's really nice. I mean, I think uh, in nine minutes too, nine and a half, nine forty, he gets three blocks. Hugo does so. Yeah. Can I say and, something at that point? Right, you're saying, yeah. Like, man, we, we kind of talked about Adu and Jordan Burks might be the two guys that kind of lose the minutes when all these guys are coming back and everybody's kind of finding their group. But Adu, man, I, I said something there in the game. I I, I feel pretty confident in this. Adu, Adu is – if he's the guy that loses minutes on this team, I'm selfishly just going to be a little annoyed with that. I mean, he's not going to be your leading scorer. He's not going to be your leading anything besides maybe blocks and the stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. But like you just said, he came in and had four blocks – four major blocks um now he did 
you can't compare him against the Baycott or someone like that. But like he's he's the one on this team that will go in the post and bang with you and take an elbow to the face and still be standing. And that some of that deserves some credit. You know, the, the effort guy, the energy guy. Again, I'm not going to lead you in any really stat categories, but he's the guy that's going to come off the bench and immediately make an impact and more of, of the banging in the post, you know, the the, the hard plays. And I, I don't know, man, I, I sure hope – I hope a dude's not the guy that loses out. Um, I think, he again, he comes off the bench and he provides great value, even if they're in short spurts. Um, he's a guy that can play uh, multiple positions. And, you know, if if he is that guy this year – and I, I would push them to go transfer and go get your minutes somewhere else because it sucks that you have such a talented roster to that you you know you've got to kind of play behind. It's one of those Kentucky things, but man, I think a dude needs needs more of a leash. But I hope he finds a way. Yeah, I mean, I think a dude would definitely get more opportunities next year. Um, you know, I like the recruiting class coming in, but it seems like there is a big role for a dude if he comes back, and that'll be an interesting decision for him. Because he could get a big role, a bigger role elsewhere. But if he wants to stay here, play at Kentucky. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Play under Cal, I think a dude would, I think Cal would give him the opportunities next year, you know, with, um, you know, I guess acquaintance, you know, and then, um, maybe Hugo starts next year, maybe. I mean, um, but Adu would definitely get minutes there. And then you got Boogie and, um, you know, the other kid, um, the other good freshman coming in, in that other guard spot. But, yeah, man, I, um, 
I, I, I just think he played better than Justin Edwards did. I mean, I, I just – I don't love what I'm seeing from Edwards. I like him. I love his body. Um, but he's he's figuring out what he's going to do for this team because, like, DJ and Rob were both awesome. You know that they have to be out there at the end of games. And then you, you kind of have Trey and Aaron both in there. That's great. It works really well. So who's that fifth guy at the end of games? I mean, like, is it Reed? Is it Antonio? It wasn't Edwards. Edwards didn't play at the end of that game. He only had 12 minutes for the whole game. And I was fine with that. Like, it, it just made sense to have him on the bench. So uh, I, I, I he'll figure it out. He'll have his games. But um, he's definitely, you know, as of now, he's not like the top five pick that people were kind of projecting him to be. He'll, he'll figure it out. And But there, there's just too much talent on this team for him to really have the role that would – let him thrive and become that top five pick and maybe he still will but I do like him it's just there's only one ball you know and there's only five guys that could be on the floor and some of these other guys are just playing really well you got to have the ones that are being productive for sure and Edwards is not giving us production that we want him to have I, I completely agree with that um when I was going back and watching the replay I did kind of track down of who the five that were in and in the final uh three minutes of the game at first, it was DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, Reeves, Trey Mitchell, and Bradshaw, which I, I could see that, yeah. And then when it got to the under the 30-second mark, um, Reeves came out and Shepard came in for him. So you kind of – if that gives you an idea of kind of – like you said, Justin Edwards was not in in the final three minutes of the game. It could have been longer than that, but I was watching the last three minutes, and uh, I think they bring in – they take out Reeves because he's more of a scorer. Um, we had the points – Reeves defense. Yeah. yeah. Reed's defense, ball security. He's the guy that throws the ball in. You got to get the ball in to, you know, you can have the score out on the court, but if you can't get the ball in, you read your guy to have get the ball in. So I think that was kind of why he came in the last 30 second free throws. Um, especially I think and I think that partly came because they were up. You know, that's why Reeves was we didn't need points. We just kind of got to stop them from getting points. Um, but yeah, man, Edwards, um, he's not been awful. He's just not been the top fit, five pick, like you had just said. He's not been the starter worthy to me um I don't know that's a whole nother thing I could, could get into but I, I hope that Justin Edwards gets things going at some point man. yeah I don't think it's worth it getting into it because he'll figure it out he's gonna have his games I mean he even like you know maybe out Louisville he's gonna drop 20 you know or something you know he'll have a game you know Illinois State he'll drop 20. you know Tone's about to go he's got to get like 40 in that game I mean come on he's got to He's got to go crazy against them. Hope we'll see. That'll be a fun one to be at. But uh, they're they're all going to rotate, right? They're all going to have their big games. Um, you know, Cal said after the game that he liked how Edwards played, and I was like, eh. I mean, like Edwards also defensively, he was on uh, Ryan Cormac or Cormac Ryan, and there were multiple times, man, where he was like sagging off. It's like, dude, this white boy can shoot. Like, get up in his grill. He had uh, four threes and like it felt like all four of them were on Edwards' head. I mean, Edwards was sleeping. It just, he was playing too far back and you just can't, you got to know your assignment at that point. So, um, and I saw a couple times uh, after one of them, he, Cal pulled him and Cal yelled at him on the bench. I was like, yeah, you should like get up on your man. So that's an, that's another point for Edwards that he'll figure out. But I really like DJ, man. DJ facilitated uh, how many assists he had. Uh, five, 14 and five, and he had that nice and one late in the second half. 
I, I really like Wagner, man. I, I think, you know, we were a little nervous at first and then he gets the, gets the injury. Mm-hmm. He's coming to his, into his own. And if him and Rob keep playing like this, I mean, that that's like, we talked about that backcourt. Like that's the, <laughs> this, that's gotta be the best backcourt in the country if they play like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And DJ is DJ over the last few seven games or so handful of games he he's getting to what we thought he would be he had that slow start to the beginning of the year that's a lot of freshmen he is who he's going to be if anything he's got he's going to get better and better uh fully confident in him now and it's funny thing to think about i just thought of he's only like what three games off of ankle injury so that's kind of cool to see he's back he just won sec freshman a week um kind of against north carolina um but i don't know dj wagner uh dylan with the spark you just said about dillingham you know what one thing i've been thinking about as well is for most of the time that Dillian has been here is, I don't know, a lot of people have said that he's going to be like, let's see how he goes. And, and he's going to be a, a, a really good and really bad. And I'm getting to the point where I don't, I don't believe that anymore. When I didn't know really a whole lot about him when he first got here. Okay. I mean, I just kind of went off what people were saying. Um, I've seen some highlight tapes of him doing me ball, me ball, but man, I think that Dillingham has been great here. He is people worried about him, how he'd fit in with a, a share in the ball um, system that Cal has where everybody eats. He's been phenomenal. He, there's been plenty of times where he says, you know, he subbed Cal said he subbed himself out in games. He has, as far as I've heard, he's not asked for anything about starting. He's fine coming off the bench and he plays a lot of minutes. He leads. Um, uh, I, I saw, I put out another stat. Uh, he was the second, he has the second most points on this entire team out of all the 10 games that they've played. He has the second most right behind. I think it's, Reeves I'm going off of memory um but Dillingham he I'm beyond impressed of what he's done here just in terms of he buys in he he now you have a couple of shots here and there but like that's in my opinion that's being picky he does a lot more good than bad and I, I don't know the Dillingham show has been fun it's been exciting I've been but not very picky from I, I don't know what I'm trying to say is I enjoy it and I think he's great with this team man dude I love him and like you know, I, I say this every week. I'm not a Cats fan. Like, I'm not a Kentucky fan. But what I do really enjoy is, like, his thing with John Wall. It's fucking, like, it's awesome. Like, he, he like, high-fives them. They're talking during the game. I was getting an ISO of, of John. And then, like, and, and like Dilly runs by. And then John's like, hey, check out his kicks. Check out his shoes. He, like, points at him. And I thought that was cool. You know, they're laughing together. That's really cool. It's cool that John's around. I, I, I don't know if... uh yeah, I don't know if Cal brings him into the locker room to talk to the guys. Hope that'd be cool if he did. Um, yeah. But either way, like that's cool, and I like Dillingham a lot. I, the I, what I did want to ask you is, um, I saw a tweet. It might have been, it, it might have been your boy Jeff Goodman, or it was, um, or it was <laughs> Rothstein, and that said, uh, like Bradshaw's this team's like best long-term prospect. Now that we're seeing how he plays, like the dude's for real. He's got to be a lottery pick. Dillingham's also a lottery pick. Like, if you're an NBA team, I get, and it just depends on, you know, team fit or whatever. But, you know, which one gets drafted first? Like, which Kentucky guy gets drafted first is kind of like the interesting question. And obviously, we don't want to think about that now. Obviously, we want to focus on the season. But it's kind of a funny thought because, you know, Bradshaw's for real, man. He's good. But Dillingham's also for real. And this buzz about Reed getting picked, like, top 10. I'd like, come on, chill. Like, Let's it's already starting to drop now. He's in the 15 range. It's kind of dropping off a little bit because his reduction is going down. Um, I see DJ being a first-round pick. 
And then Edwards, you know, who knows? NBA team will just take a chance on him. Or maybe he comes back to school if he keeps playing like this. Who knows? But I would say, I mean, I'd probably still go Rob because, you know, that Kentucky guard pedigree is just a real thing. Rob can go in and be an all-star in the NBA, but I like Bradshaw a lot too. Who who would you pick first? Off this, off this team, um, that's a good question. Today, um, I'm probably going with Bradshaw. Mm. I think I'm going with Bradshaw. Um, I know it's very limited production or le- sample size, but we it's been great in the time that we've seen it. Um, I would like him to bulk up a little bit more, but he seemed to be just fine against Baycott. He's a lot bigger than him. Um, yeah, I think uh, that's how I'm going off of. Right now. As of December, whatever date it is, it's about Christmas, December the 19th, I'm going Bradshaw. Um, but what you had just said, you said, um, I thought it was really interesting. You said Dillingham, it might be a lottery pick or it could be a lottery pick. He's coming off the bench. That that's crazy. Imagine, you know, like I'm not saying I, I agree with you. I, I like that opinion, but like, has there any ever been someone been a lottery pick off the bench? Like that's mind blowing to me. I just thought that was real a good little nugget there. That's like, wow, is that gonna happen? Like that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean Booker and you know Shea, which is what dude. So if your question is any other school, no. Like we've talked about this before. Yeah. Coming off the bench of Kentucky is not a bad thing. You know, yeah. you still get an NBA. So. I think Dillingham knows that he's embraced it, right? He knows, and that's probably the biggest thing Cal pitched him up. It's like, look, look at look at D Book, look at Shea, look at Tyler Hero. Like, this this works. Don't oh, think yeah. it's a bad thing. It's a good thing. He's the first one off the bench. Um, he only played 24 minutes. Rob did. I figured he might have played more, but DJ played, DJ <laughs> played 34. Man, yeah, that's awesome. And it's nice that Trey's minutes are going down to, you know, give him a little time to, like, you know, sit on the bench. Aaron played 20, so only 32 for Trey is good. You don't want to overwork him, keep him fresh. So that's all good, too. Yeah, and like you just said, and now with Ugo back, I mean, he's the last guy on the totem pole of those big men, in my opinion. But, like, that's another guy to go give them guys a break, give them a breather. Um, and, man, it wasn't amazing, but, like, in his 10 minutes that he came in, he had three blocks, I think you said, like, What's that? That's a, right off the bench, a little 10-minute break for our other guys, get you roughly two or three blocks, a couple boards. Like, that's a good guy to have off the bench. I'm glad we got another piece back just to build this team up. Um, but, yeah, man, I was really, really impressed. And, uh, yeah, to see John Wall there, um, I've seen, he's noticed, I've noticed he's came back a lot more this year. Normally we see him in that Champions Classic, um, his couple home games. But, like, I don't know if it's just Kentucky's fun again. You know, we got a good team now. It's not miserable like it was. But well, like, it's just because he's not playing now. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Is he is he on any roster at all right now? Yeah. He wouldn't be coming around this much if he was. Yeah. But he's seen a fun team, so that's for sure. And um, I love it, man. I love it that he's back. Yeah, I think it's cool. And um, I was about to say something. I like. Uh, yeah, man. I like to say. Oh, I was talking about Z. I, 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 I don't see it with Z. I mean, it, of course, it would help to have him. You know, it wouldn't hurt, but. They really don't need him. They could redshirt him, honestly. And, you know, because, yeah. you know, the especially if Hugo plays like that, you know, you don't need him to score. It, like, Hugo was a legit rim protector. You know, so him and Aaron, and then you got Trey playing the four, or he can play small ball five. That's really all you need. You don't really need to see. It would be fun to see him this year if he comes back, but um, he really could be redshirted. I don't know, but I – I was really impressed with Hugo. That was one of my big takeaways. Yeah, uh, I've started hearing kind of rumblings this week that Z, uh, it's he's, he's coming back next year. I don't know. 
Oh, that's not reporting anything, but like, um, just like you don't need him on this team. I mean, really, you don't. We've got a, more than enough. Gratefully, we've got more than enough. This team's a top ten team right now with Z not even touching the floor. Um, I I don't think he would mess anything up if he came in, but things will change a little bit. And I just my my take is you don't need him. So like, if he was to come back, okay, that's plus whatever it is. But people are starting, I think, are starting to say now that he's going to be back for another year. And I, I, as time goes on and he doesn't play more and more, I think that's more of reality. I don't see it as for sure. I don't see it as someone that just goes off to the league and whatever pro route after this season. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I'm confident in banking second year from Z and basing him being here next year for sure. That's what people are saying right now. Yeah, because, like, you could just redshirt him or not. It doesn't matter for the redshirt. But there's no real role for him. Like Bradshaw is going to get all those five minutes, and then you bring in Hugo for the defense. If Bradshaw gets foul trouble, like I, I mean, you'd rather have Hugo's rim protection in there, like than Z. If he can hit threes, they're saying he can hit threes. It's like, well, you just you don't need him to score. You don't need your center to score at all. You know, Bradshaw's going to get his points, and that's it. So I would, and like Z's not. Why would Z leave? I mean. He could transfer, go to a different school to get more opportunities. But if you just kind of give him a role next year, he'll come back. There's no way he has a pro future coming in here. And just even if he does come back, he's only, he's not playing more than 10 minutes a game. He's going to get like seven. He's just going to be like Lance Ware, you know, maybe, if not less. So, um, and that's not, you know, any knock on him. I'm sure he's a great player and it'll be fun to watch him play. But I mean, I don't see it. I know people were really excited to see him, but you should be excited for these nine guys. I mean, these these dudes like went out there and hooped and beat a really good North Carolina team. Cal said it. R.J. Davis, one of the best players in the country. That dude's a bucket. Um, you know, this UNC team's really good, so they they have a shot to go out there and win the ACC. Um, it's a good win for the Cats, man. You know, the little resume, try to get a one seed. I know it doesn't matter a lot, but um, good quad one win, like you said. Yeah, it, it'll matter down in a couple months from now for sure. We'll be looking back on these back. You know, glad that happened. We didn't lose another close game like with Kansas. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all a North Carolina game that I've got to talk about. But you know, to kind of transition into the next game at Louisville. Um, another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To go see the Kenny Payne uh, saga of what's going on up down the uh, down the road in Louisville, the whole shit show that's going on, um, I'm excited, man. You know, there's nothing in my opinion. There's nothing about this game to get excited for 
besides the off court, the, the off the court stuff to see what's going on. See if Kenny Payne lasts. I mean, fully expect Kentucky going in there and getting the dub. Not a doubt in my mind, probably pretty comfortably. Um, I know it's going to be a more rowdy fan. You know, I, I think Louisville fans will still show up in a small amount, but I still think Kentucky is going to dominate them in that. But I don't think it to be, I don't expect it to be like it's been this year for Louisville. I expect it to be Louisville's best turnout, but still Kentucky would kind of take over the Yum Center for sure. Dude, um, that place is going to be all blue. That entire place is going to be What blue. would you give a percentage if you had to guess like right now? At least 75, 25. At least three quarters. At least. I mean, that place is going to be all blue. Yeah, you'll get your diehard fans that want to come out. But that whole city is, is going to be blue. It's going to yeah. be blue. And yeah, they, they are hurting. They're sad. I mean, I I saw someone say, uh, get Bill Cronin in there. UCLA's coach, bring him back in. He was he spent time here. He's got connections here. That's like a brilliant, brilliant move. If they could pull it out. I don't see him leaving. Why would he leave the sunshine in UCLA? Yeah. I mean, he's got a machine going. Not a machine, but he's got a good, good thing going there. That would be a huge hire. I'm trying to think of some other big hires. I mean, yeah. I heard this. Um, I heard this on another show. Uh, it was a Phil, one of the Field of Sixty Eight shows. Um, now I don't know if all the technicalities and logistics make this work. Um, and they actually gave a point of why it didn't work, but they would like to see it. And I, when they said it, I agreed with. I think it was Jeff Goodman that said it. But just hear me out. I just because this this rivalry is better when both teams are good, and I still want them to both be good. But Kentucky still win. I don't love whatever to win, of course. But what about a Bruce Pearl? Like him and Cal hate each other. Um, they, and I gave a point of why it wouldn't work. Bruce Pearl probably is sitting pretty comfortably. They got good NIL money down there. You're, it's Auburn. You're a football school. You know, it kind of that thing. But, man, you know, I, I truly think Louisville would get around behind a uh, Bruce Pearl. You know, I think he could. he's the big of a name where he could bring people here. He could get the NIL going. And him and Cal have had beef over the year, over the years. And, I think in a perfect world, now you've got to work out a couple of things, but they could get Bruce Pearl here. here. Um, I don't know what that contract looks like, but like he, he gets a good recruiting class, pretty decent. I mean, he's doing it at Auburn right now, and he gets them up and going. Um, I, I would like to see that. And that's just that's that, a fun one. I like yeah. that one. I mean, and I'm, I mean, but the football school, basketball school thing, I don't think it means a ton because, I mean, I know we got to do our, our ad, we got to take a break, but like Louisville's about to be a football school. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, I know they lost the, you know, the Governor's Cup, but, you know, top 10 team, if they keep doing it, if Brom keeps doing his thing, like, that's a football school. I mean, I know it's naturally a basketball school, but that football, football will always be king, man. If Kentucky, if Stoops went out there and won the SEC, Kentucky yeah. would be a football school, man. It it would, you know, football always would be king. So, um, but I like, like that one. I don't know. I think, uh. I think I think Cronin will be good. I mean, um, I'm trying to think. I want to think of some more give names. Give me a second to think. Yeah. Uh, man, I, I think Louisville, they are a football school right now, for sure, the last few years. But I, I think they are a school that can be both. And now, historically, Kentucky is basketball. But, like, you know, in recent years, they can I, – I actually know it's been one and one. But I, I think Kentucky and basketball and football can be a both school if you don't count the last 75 years of basketball. I, I think Louisville, you know, I, down at Auburn, you're going to get shadowed by the football team, no matter really how good you are, unless you hit Final Four or above. 
And it's I don't think it's going to change a whole lot, even though Auburn's been down in football. But I I I really do think that if Bruce Pearl came or whoever and got Louisville going beside an, behind an exciting coach, it could be a bold school. And I think uh, Brom's going to be there for a couple of years. It's his hometown, his 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 homecoming. He's he did great this year. I think he's going to be there. You could probably lock in at least two or three more years minimum. I don't know whatever comes from that, but I think Brom's going to be there for a couple of years and keep them boys going. But like if you can get the security announcement. I think um I think a Bruce Pearl or some a big personality could get that thing going again. I really do. And I think it could be they could both be competing. Did you have any other uh coaches in mind that you thought of there? They keep saying Baylor Scott Drew. Is that his name? Scott Drew? Yeah, he's not leaving though. Um I I would doubt he would leave. Um get Bayheim out of retirement. <laughs> oh, Speaking of leaving, we've got to leave for just a quick second for our ad break, but then we'll I'll catch you on the other side of this break. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season, and we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD, 1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When across the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts so download the bet mgm app today welcome back thank you for everyone who stayed on the other side of that ad break uh michael we've got you in, a, in an airport i think we've got tim running the show behind the scenes i'm in my home i'm not at cats coverage headquarters um and Mr. I, tim, what up? yeah T- tim you there yes sir <laughs> he's probably muted running the show um but yeah, Michael, I can definitely you've always had the cool backgrounds this year. You're either at a TV studio, you're at a game, bouncing from games, airport. I'm either at my room. I don't have the cool setup like you do, it seems. But yeah, I love the effort. I love that you're committed. I think people should recognize that you're in an airport right now and you're still made time. You're about to get on a flight to go. Where'd you say? Yeah, I come back here to Lexington, been out of town. It's been busy, man. About to go home for a couple of days, then go down to the bowl game for Jacksonville. So uh been busy man but it's uh gotta get back and rough man it's a, it's a few weeks away from rough and the whole court thing was weird like the, they took the they, yeah well i they said they um the the people that made the courts came out and said circumstances something wasn't under the playing conditions that they wanted and i put out a tweet dude i, I was sitting there and i've not taken pictures taken pictures all year uh, tim does all of our pictures on the floor and he was I had to miss that game and so i went to go take pictures 
and you know it was, it, it was the new court it was exciting all that stuff it looks perfect if i have to say but anyways i was sitting you know like you do in the game's ass on the floor and i noticed that right like a foot out from the three-point line and when they were dribbling and coming over like i know you can feel their footsteps usually pretty easily but like these were so um obvious so like I felt it all in my back, their footsteps. I, I mean, it was like, I know, remember sitting there like having a, a big notice of like, man, I could feel everything, but I hadn't been down on the court in a while uh, taking pictures and things like that for a game. So I just, I remember noticing it, but didn't overthink it. I mean, what, what can I do about it anyways? Then they came out and said, there's some dead spots. It's not under the playing conditions that they want. And I was like, okay, maybe there was something there. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, when they first announced it after one game, um, the, the two takeaways were what? Kentucky's 0-1 on this. They they lost so bad they got to get rid of the court. But the other one, I think people were like, oh, we're going back for a long period of time to the central bank stickers and the ugly court. And uh, they did come out and say, I don't think people saw the second thing that they announced. They, they're trying to get the either the court situated or a new court. It's going to still be the same layout and all that, just more, I guess, intact. And I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to the, how a court's built. But we temporarily have the old ugly court. We're not going back here for a couple of years and figuring it out just so fans know we're going back to the court we just had, but it's going to be a more secure and whatever else that goes into that world. But um, yeah, it was unexpected for sure. Um, 0-1 temporarily on that court, man. Huh. Yeah, I mean, they were all their fans were like, oh, go back to the old court, 0-1. Yeah, Retire yeah. it. I'm like, no, the new court's really nice. So they'll figure it out, but um. Yeah, at Louisville, then Illinois State, 29th, same day as the bowl game, so I won't be at that one. Then Florida, then uh, Missouri. So, yeah, I'm excited to see this team kind of roll in these next two and then um, just, you know, start SEC playoff strong. I feel like they could really go on a run and only lose, like, you know, like – three or four SEC games. I mean, they could really win the conference, but like, you know, A&M's going to be tough, Buzz and Wade Taylor, and, you know, obviously Tennessee and Arkansas. So it's going to be going to be fun, um, but they should go down the game. So I'll get that win. And, and then uh, Missouri, that should be winnable. So they could, they could rip off a little heater until they go down the college station on the 13th. Yeah. Well, from what people have been saying, the SEC is kind of a little down this year. I mean, there's still the SEC has been pretty solid in, in college basketball for years now, but uh, there's not a, a team that there's not there's those road games that Kentucky's gonna get a little tested on a Tuesday night or something. But that's just an SEC road environment with a bunch of freshmen. Uh, you know, that's something's gonna happen there where things don't go as planned when you're the better team. But this is the SEC is a little, just a little bit down from most years. This is definitely when Kentucky's up from the last few years. This is when you need to capitalize on it. It's been a handful of years since we won an SEC tournament or made it out of the first weekend. So like this. We're already, it's already laying its path of this is a year to do something in the postseason and especially in the conference. Just insert your dominance that, that was there in those all the way up to about 2018, 2019 in the conference play. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, we got Louisville and then Illinois State. That's the first game back in Rupp since the UNC Wilmington game. Um, uh, home of or the home of uh, the team that uh, Antonio Reeves used to play for, Illinois State. So, you know, I, I kind of was thinking. Most of the time when our players play their own team, they don't – outside of Ashton Hagens, they don't do very well. I mean, Hagens had a couple games against Georgia teams that he did pretty well. Uh, what, what's your kind of early 
guess is, uh, do you think Antonio Reeves is going to have himself a night, or do you think there's just too many dues on this team to really hit for him to really go off? What's your kind of early thoughts on the Illinois State game for Reeves? Man, that's what I said earlier. He better go out there and cook up 40. You know, he's going to he's gonna go crazy. That'll be fun. I, hope so. um, I know people were talking a lot about him, you know, having that homecoming back in Chicago for a Champions Classic, and he had a good game, but did not show up at the end, man. He missed, missed those shots and they lost the game. You know, any one of those threes he could have buried and could have pushed that game to overtime. So um, I think uh, I think he'll go off. Um, I think the whole team is really coming together. They got a lot of pieces and they're working together. Going on the road for a true road game will be interesting. You know, the once SEC play starts, they haven't had that. So it's a new challenge and but they've handled all these challenges like integrating uh, Bradshaw and now Hugo, like, you know, getting the bigs back into the system. And, um, they're rolling, man. Having fun covering this team. Yeah. I, I definitely think this program's in a good position right now, for real. It feels really good because it's been a while. Um, but yeah, we need, we do need to see them in a true road game at another team's home court uh you always know that at Tennessee games rough no matter if that team is good or not it's almost like the outside of this year I would say outside of the last two years I'd say Louisville too I mean in terms of football maybe Kentucky Louisville no matter who's the better team that year it's always a fight um and I think Kentucky's definitely the better team than Tennessee this year but like I just know we're gonna go down there and it's gonna be tied five minutes ago let's see who pulls us out just because that's at Tennessee, man, that's just how it always is, um, dude. And, and at then, the Bud, at in Fayetteville, at Arkansas, that like that place was rocking earlier in the year. So that is going to be a tough one too. Yeah, that will, and that's what this team needs. I mean, you know, they've got some, you know, neutral site wins, and they've had some good challenges and some home wins that don't really count up for a whole lot. But like, then go out on the road to another team's crazy ass environment and come out with a win. You know, maybe a top twenty team. You know. I think Arkansas is not doing very well this year, but like, you know, Tennessee might be ranked when we go down there. I think they're flirting with top 25 right now, maybe still in there. Uh, actually, no, they're, they're ranked one ahead Kentucky right now. If I remember that correctly, uh, I think, I think they're ranked eighth and we're ninth. I forget. Yeah. He's top 10 right now. Um, yeah. That's going to be a matchup. Uh, I've not spent my due diligence of watching a whole lot of other teams. So, um, but I, I have seen that Arkansas, they beat Duke at home, barely. Um, but I don't think they're ranked. I think Alabama's had a couple of bad losses, but long story short, this is the year to kind of show Kentucky how Kentucky's always been in the SEC in terms of basketball um, and to make some noise and then lead in the postseason because you, you got to do it this year. But um, anyways, like you said, after after the bowl game, December 29th, bowl games at noon, Illinois State's at like six or seven that night in Rupp, first time back in Rupp in a month pretty much. Then you have uh, uh, you have New Year's, then you have started off SEC conference at Florida. So it's going to be exciting. Got a couple of games coming up that um, get to see what this team's made of. You know, get more Bradshaw working himself in, see if Ugo gets a little bit for a few more minutes, who knows, and just kind of further mold this team and start building their conference play and start racking up those wins. But uh, again, exciting, man. Exciting. Uh, any last words from you before we get out of here tonight? You hit that flight back to Lex Vegas. Hey, man, I got to go. Got to roll, but good stuff, man. Good pod. Here, go get on the plane, man. Don't miss it. <laughs>